0: Hey everyone, welcome to the For the Wind podcast. It's me, Hemel. We have a special show for you guys today. Unfortunately, Steven and Evan aren't with me, but they have been bumped for a slightly more higher profile guest, Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kevin joined us earlier this week to talk about some of the work that he's been doing with mental health awareness. You're probably aware of the piece that he wrote for the Players' Tribune early this year talking about his struggle with panic attacks, depression, and anxiety. It was really powerful, really moving, and really great to see an athlete be so open about the struggles that they faced. He's taken that piece and gone on to do a lot more work with mental health awareness. Kevin and I chatted about a lot of different things about the fallout from the Players Tribune piece, about how he thinks masculinity needs to change, what men need to be doing to to be more open and aware. It's a long, free-flowing conversation that I think you'll really enjoy. There's a lot of great stuff in there. So without further ado, here's Kevin. Can we start talking about why you decided to make mental health uh, your focus. I know I know the backstory, right. Claire's Tribune Peace, uh, how right. it has kind of shifted your life, uh, but a lot of people might have just done uh, a one and done and then taken a step back, but you've decided to really lean into it.
1: Right, well, it, it, that was absolutely a choice, but it almost felt like with how things played out, part of it was definitely decision, but it was like something was, partially for, for my own benefit, and me wanting to tell my own story was the benefit, but also uh, just different things leading into me then telling my story. So, mm-hmm. um, as I'm sure you know the background of yeah. that. Um, I just saw the, the massive impact that it had, and I never knew, like I talked to my agent the night before you know, pressing send and, and putting that article out about what i had been dealing with. Um, he said, you know, are you sure you want to do this? Is this going to be big? I said, I don't think so. I just, I just want to share this before uh, anybody else does because uh, you know some of my teammates didn't understand it. We're talking about it. Some people that I was at the All-Star break in, in mm-hmm. Los Angeles that year, people had started asking questions from a media side. So I thought, okay. As well as part from Florida happening that week, and um, you know just me feeling so indifferent and, and weird and scared and not understanding it mm-hmm. um, or how people are going to perceive it. Um, that had, had scared me. But also I decided that this is going to help that one person that potentially could then change his or her life. So that was, um, you know, I pressed send the next morning and then we got such positive feedback, feedback and people reaching out um, in my life to, at arm's reach and also to the masses where I said, OK, uh, I had to set up a, a, a forum where I, I could, they, people could send emails mm-hmm. to the Players Tribune where I put the article out. Which then turned into like 6,000 emails in two days, three wow. days. Which then, you know, my inbox on every social media platform was full. Everybody sharing their stories and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I know there's so many emails on Blair's Tribune. How can I reach out to you in a different way?" So then there was, you know, almost immediate follow-up after that to where, um, you know, it, it was just in everyday life. And no point in my career has there been a point, whether it be Olympics, the 2016 NBA Finals, um, uh, winning a championship anywhere, uh, anything in my career that has made or had such a big impact are people coming up to me and saying, hey, yeah. can I talk to you for a second, yeah. sharing their stories. So it was like a way of paying it forward, and I really felt like I've, I've found what I'm going to do after basketball in the meantime, but also after basketball. Okay. So I think that's super special, and I felt that it was – gonna be a very positive thing to to set up a fund and work with people like you know Chic Hydro and and you know do things like locker room talk. So it's just ever evolving and we're continuing to mold and find uh, exactly what it is that we want to do, but it's mental uh, wellness and physical wellness and, and just well being overall, which is special.
0: So one of the interesting things is that this is definitely about how men talk to each other. Yes. Right? That's the unique aspect of this, especially when mm-hmm. the locker room talk series is Sometimes men will come out and they'll share their emotions but oftentimes you find that it's with like a female friend or if it's with right. a wife and, well, or women girlfriend.
1: So. Yeah, and like <laughs> women
0: are supposed to be better communicators, but The Locker Room series is is this interesting thing here is it's that's two guys talking yeah. about like this kind of thing which is right. a well, dynamic that you it, don't see. You,
1: I don't think you've seen much before. I mean, it has been done in the past but it's so apparent now especially in this type of a social climate if you will like mm-hmm. this is what's needed especially on the men's side because mm-hmm. of women's movement and LGBT and me too like it's so far ahead of where we are
0: yes you guys have a lot of catching up to do
1: so that and is it's pretty apparent too yeah. so I think on this can only be positive and I've mentioned today a few times and I've always felt this way that as athletes, a lot of the time uh, on both sides, men and women, we're looked as like superheroes and like indestructible. and Like, oh, we have these injuries, but we come back and we're stronger than ever. Um, that's usually you know how the story goes, but then you don't see uh, the layers to it and that you know, success isn't immune to the depression. And, and um, really, truly, everybody is dealing with something, but I think that can only help because these, especially the younger demographic, they look and see like, wow, my favorite athlete or my one of my favorite athletes are this strong man or woman is dealing with this like and, and talking about it and there's this there's you know supposed to be this stigma, I don't feel right and now I feel like I can do it. Yeah. But um to answer the other part of your question, I feel like as men, at least I was taught that suppressing, like you know, don't show me your weakness, like don't my dad was don't cry because he's from the era where they didn't do that. Right. Like, he was born in forty nine. Right. his father before him was never talked about anything. Right. So uh whereas like my sister, like my, my my mother was always like she was a nurse, so she was like come here, like very affectionate, always communicative. My sister, uh, she was very painfully shy, but she knew how to express herself. was like me as a boy, so my way of doing it was like I had this long fuse and it was anger to where that anger, when I was when I got into like my young adulthood, then became anxiety. I the word manifest that in positive ways, but in some ways it didn't. I were, even with my depression as well, I would just like. Sitting in a room, sit in bed, because I didn't know
0: how to cope. Right, and you weren't allowed to express how you're feeling. No, because that's a thing that we don't let men do. Right. We, you know, even in locker rooms, there's very accepted ways to, um, to deal with pain. Yeah, but you always have to be tough about it. Like, right. you're not allowed to feel bad. No. You're not allowed to be sad. It's like our own
1: little playbook.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Being able to talk about it with men also actually retroactively, I think, helps women because then women aren't seen as weak because they cry. Like this is, there's an added benefit here for, for agree. women.
1: I <laughs> agree. And I think, you know, it's funny that you say that is actually since I've you know kind of looked in the mirror and accepted it and uh, I'm like, okay, this is who I am. I have also become like an actually a, a little, I was always a very dry person. Like I've never cried, but my, it's funny because my dad actually like would, but I was but I like had finally just let some things go, and that has been very therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying too, like as men becoming better communicators, uh, you know, women are then uh, cohesively and in a great way, like they're able to have that conversation about anything. then right. Asking like the question, I think a lot of men. Like, you talk about like the Me Too movement. You talk about really any any movement, so to speak. Like you want to, you don't know how to help mm-hmm. because on the outside but you know that you want to just asking that question I think is is yeah. you know, a way of communicating and sometimes uh, you know hard to do because you don't want to you know when you say the word femininity and masculinity there's like some sort of like tiptoeing around it right. so you, you want to then find a way to help and I think asking that question is huge so, well
0: a lot of people say that there's a lot of toxic masculinity right like there's a lot for of sure. behaviors no, and no accountability. Are, are detrimental to you, like not being able to talk about your emotions. Oh yeah. All of that stuff is—it's destructive to you, and then it has a destructive effect outwardly as well. Well,
1: you take it out, you—it's you know, a manifestation where like it manifests in so many different ways, like, and, and you just, in and, and every case, in that way is different too. <laughs> um, where for me, it, it ended up being after everything that happened, like my first real, like oh my, oh shit, I'm gonna. Understand what's going on right now, you know, on the floor. Gas, I'm having a heart attack, basically. So that's how it manifested in in my state. But I think every person is different.
0: When you when you think about the locker room talk series and the conversations that you've been having, like with Michael Phelps and Channing mm-hmm. Fry, when you have these conversations, do you think about like the impact it's having on younger generations? Uh, yes. Making sure that okay, if, if if Kevin Love can talk to to Channing Fry about this, maybe I can talk to the guy sitting next to me in the locker yes,
1: room. Yes, absolutely. And I think about even from you know kids in in middle school and and you know going you know, stepping into high school as well, because like your your mind and body are changing at such a crazy rate mm-hmm. that um, you know it's tough to, to catch up in, in, in every way and I think being able to communicate and see that both uh, young young men and young women at that age you're, you have these health classes or you have your job, physical health sex and all also but you never really I was never taught about mental health ever right it was never a discussion the only discussion I had was with my father like you do you know keep your head up you don't show your weakness that sort of thing and that like was coming all sides. I think as young boys, we all talked about that. I'm like, oh, how's my friend going to react if I cry here? Like, I just, uh, you know, got made fun of, or, or uh, you know, I got this bad test. I got mean, a grade on this test, or like life at home is bad. Like, I don't know how to share this. Right. Um, and I think that's that's something that that I'm looking at in my fundus. to find a way. How do we impact the the younger generation? But I think this is obviously good step and very key and a, the sweet spot and the most key. Mm-hmm. Of,
0: of people that will really help and yeah. impact the most. How has this kind of changed your relationships uh, with with friends, uh, with people in the locker room?
1: It's allowed me to be a lot more, not only honest with me, but everybody. So I think that, that communication has allowed for better relationships for the, for the people around me. And I've had to have uh, those talks and quite frankly a lot of them were pretty tough been very tough. And I remember talking to my brother. Like this one was, and you know, so much of the time you're, you're in it and you don't know how bad be- how it looks. And you're in it. and You have these blinders on. And from especially when it comes to depression, like my brother told me, I was like, I was like, What do you think? I went to Portland a couple of weeks later after I read um, the article, and he said, You know, we would. I just remember just, you know, you'd go, you'd know, lose you you go into your room, and, like, like, and Kevin would come out no. whenever he'd come out, no. and I don't even mean out of my room, i just mean like, my personality, and, and like, I feel like I'd come back to life, he's just like, you just weren't there. And I
0: thought, yeah, and the, and that's a really tough thing for family members, yeah. and they never know really how to grapple with it. So when you think about your career and, and moving forward, do you think that, uh, is this the thing that you're going to be known for versus
1: the basketball? I think as far as, I think people are going to say what they're going to say. Which is something that, I don't know if it's like turning 30 or this and having done this, or like actually finally, uh, I've always been such a perfectionist and in going to therapy, I've learned to let that go. So I finally gave myself a pat on the back and said, you know what, it's like you've done a lot in your career. Because I never felt like I'd done enough. I also think there's something to... Really feeling like I've I I have found my life's work Mm -hmm. because like there's so much time after basketball and Mm -hmm. I really think I'm going to be doing working in this space the rest of my life. So that in itself makes me, um, you know, pretty happy. It's therapeutic and I'm really like the I've always been such a giver. Like Mm -hmm. I love the holiday time. because... like. Now my brother has this baby, I'm shop- shopping like these little Nikes and overalls. I've always been such a giver, like having somebody receive something or feel good, like that makes me then be like, yeah, okay, that's a little win for me. It makes me feel better. So um, that's what I feel like this is too. I think it's just the, the giver in me and, and, and paying it forward. And, you know, people come up, coming up and thanking me for, for something like this is not something I ever thought was... Uh, I would say possible or something that would be a part of my life but it's it's definitely made me feel good
0: have you put new things into place in terms of like whether it's talk therapy or medication or, or yoga mm-hmm. how how is all of that holding up for you yeah i
1: think um, from a medication standpoint from talking to a therapist you know, uh, usually once a week but maybe sometimes uh, you know, twice a week just constant communication uh, because you know, if I if I go too long without it, like I'll, I'll kind of start, you know, drifting, and my mind will go elsewhere. So I, I need to stay committed to it. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I have like stress-relieving techniques that I use now mm-hmm. that I once hadn't had. I also have, um, which I've used quite a bit, but try to get more on a room. Such a routine-based person is Headspace. Yeah. So whether it be a minute or two at night, they have these little sleep. breathing Mm -hmm. exercise that you have to like uh you know the bigger ones that are 30 or 40 minutes that that i work on and just sit in peace and in silence but i think a lot of things that i do uh that directly affect my job on top of these that do are like you know making sure i'm like really feeling good in my body because my body feels good Mm -hmm. usually that really helps my stress and Mm -hmm. and and, you know uh, depression because i remember my dad dealt so much with his back he was always hurting his back and every time his back felt better he was he was
0: himself um, you know, the funny thing that you mentioned physical pain and, and your toe and all this other stuff, you guys, men, aren't even really allowed to express pain when they're feeling physical pain.
1: Yeah, you're soft.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, you're soft. Do you? How do you try to change that behavior in the locker room? How do you try to talk about pain in the locker room so that other guys know that it's okay to be like, I'm hurt? To...
1: Yeah, I think I've done that. You got. I mean, as an athlete, you, you find over time that you have to do what's best for you, mm-hmm. and not only being honest, or, or or just being yourself, like the Man I Am campaign, like it's like that's what it is. Like it's 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 being you. It's being able to express yourself, but also being vulnerable around your teammates and even as a leader. Mm-hmm. I think allows for a better culture.
0: But leadership makes all the difference, right? The other guys are going to go by your example. So, do you feel that responsibility now to?
1: Yeah, I think in a way, and I think it's good. Like we've been able to elicit a lot of whether it be change or, or thought process or beating down a stigma. Like I look at uh, former, like I said, my former teammate LeBron James and what he's done with the I Promise School. Like mm-hmm. he has created a school where where you know kids can go and are, are funded, and he's put so many millions of dollars into into furthering their lives in such a positive way. So I think uh, I'm actually very proud and happy to be a part of. Uh, the NBA, because they have become, they're such at the at the forefront, at least for sports, of, of dealing yeah. with mental health, yeah. and it's been, they've done it in such a, fa- I mean, fast is the wrong term, but it's like, it's happened so quick, and they've adjusted, and they've uh, absorbed it, and they actually had a uh, conference this year, this summer in Chicago about it, like, how can we uh, make sure that we're dealing with uh, our players, and, and even our coaches, like, we had, our coach, Tyronn Lue, he had, you know, a really bad heart problem and stress-related things that were, were, uh, you know, not only messing with him mentally, but physically it was breaking down his body, and he came out and had admitted that, Uh, and I think that was, uh, you know, a positive way and furthered the conversation, so it's just never-ending, and it's so new to everybody that, um, you know, these answers are going to keep popping up and questions and and hurdles, but I think it's a a beautiful thing that uh, people are looking to us to be leaders in, in all different spaces.
0: What do you hope guys do differently? Like, I know that's a broad question, um, but like you said, you're 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 an advocate now, right? You're sure. a basketball player, but you're an advocate. What are you hoping that that guys do differently now? Like,
1: it's not only the talk; it's, it's communication as a whole. I feel like it's not. You have to hear, like, really hear what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I think. Um, so much of the time, uh, if we are able to then express ourselves, we we don't either want to take the harsh criticism or we don't want to be accountable accountable for what people are telling us. But we have to really hear it and absorb it and be better from it. Like I think I was so so stubborn for so long, and it was uh, you know to my own detriment because I just would I would take good advice, but then I wouldn't take criticism well. Mm-hmm. Whether it be harsh, good, like some you know, coach yelling at me, or whether it be someone saying, "Hey, listen, you need to be better," and it didn't you know, had nothing to do with basketball, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. I think it's definitely um, listening, having a better gear and um, seeing that come to life. And, you know, like that. That's great. Yeah, I hope
0: this
1: is good, like I said. No, this I has been really good. Answers, again,
0: Thank awesome. you so much. I appreciate it. Too.